0: We're in a brand new series called How'd They Do It. Now, if you was up north, any northerners here? Any northerners? If you were up north, you would say, how did they do it? But we're in the south, and we go, how'd they do it? All right, so we're gonna preach southern this month. We're gonna talk about how'd they do it. Because how many's found some people in your world, whether it's their marriage, their finances, their different areas in their life that they excelled in, and you just sat back and thought, how'd they do that? How, How did they really accomplish that? We wanna talk to you about that this month. We're gonna deal with four characters in the Bible. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You're gonna understand that as we go along, but we're gonna deal with characters in the Bible and how they accomplish certain areas according to the book of the the Scripture that we're gonna use, and then we're gonna bring a live video of an example of an individual or family in our church that accomplished that same area of their life and let you see Bible, with someone you know right out of your TC family, and we're gonna figure out how did they do it so we can do it too, amen? All right, so uh, get your notes out and get ready to ride. Uh, let me just say this. Pastor Brad will follow this up at the end of the service, but we're having some growth pains. Come on, say that's a good pain, amen? Growth pains are good pains, and, and uh, I won't say this now instead of the end of the service, but um, one of the areas that we're seeing tremendous growth is in our children in our nursery and in the back in our special needs ministry. And um, the average church in America today, about 10% of their congregation is under 12. We are over 20% of our congregation. Come on, that's a good deal, amen. That's a long generational church right there that's gonna keep growing. Then you add our youth onto that, we're over 30% of our church is under 18. And that's huge. And uh, But that also means that we need twice as many workers in our children's ministry. And so uh, what we're gonna tell you and ask you is over the next couple weeks, cause about three Sundays from now, we're gonna have a meeting with those that would be interested in knowing more. Doesn't mean you're committing to anything, but just know more about our children's ministry, our kids zone, who Sandy's in here now, and God bless her and all of our team. They do an amazing job back there. And, and your kids. <clears throat> Your kids hear the gospel in a powerful way back there. There's security, it's all wonderful. But I'm gonna stand here and tell you as a pastor, we can't grow any larger than we are right now because legally we can't take any more kids than we have right now because of the number of workers required per child. And I mean, those we don't want to stop that growth. And so that's why I'm coming up here to tell you today that if you've gone through GrowTrack and you have a burden for children, get ready because three Sundays from now, we're gonna meet with you. And if you haven't gone through GrowTrack, get in tonight at 101. That's a perfect time to get started, whether it's children or wherever, but uh, we have an amazing opportunity. We have special needs families right now that are just waiting for us to give them the yes that we've got another group of leaders ready for the 12 o'clock service, and we're gonna open up 12 o'clock for special needs. We've got between 30 and 40 special needs kids coming right now, every Sunday, and many more families, but not just special needs, but families are looking for a church for their children to hear the gospel in a safe and a great place, and we are that place. We just, we're growing in that area, and so we're coming to you today not going, please, we're coming to tell you there's an opportunity you can serve and impact the child's life forever. One of the greatest joys I have as a pastor of this church is that when I stand up here and preach, many of the people on this stage all the way through this congregation that are serving today under our ministry used to be the children that used to come in and grab me around the knee at six, seven, eight years old, and today they're married. I married them, and now they've got children, and they're serving in this church as leaders in this ministry. There's no greater thrill than that than impacting a child and watching them grow up to be great leaders in the kingdom of God. Amen? So be praying about that. Not up here pleading. They tell you don't do that I'm not pleading I'm just telling you there's some opportunities that are rising up that you don't have to go to a foreign country to impact the lives of children you can do it right here in the city you live in amen that's an awesome opportunity so let's get ready let's go right into the series on how they do it get your notes out let's go right into our text today therefore since we have been justified through faith I want you to circle that word faith because that's the the area that we want to deal with today on faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, circle it again, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and that will be next Sunday's message, perseverance, character, then we're gonna deal with character, and character, hope. Look at what it says. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so over the next month, we're gonna deal with these four areas of life that God is dealing with in this passage, faith, perseverance, character, and hope. Faith. The Bible says that that God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and tell him I've got some faith. Got some faith. Every one of us, God has given a measure of faith. Then the Bible said without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if I'm not operating in that measure of faith that God has given me, I'm not pleasing God then what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. I want you to go ahead and do it. It's not on your notes, but I want you to go ahead and I want you to write down two things that you're believing God for right now. Just put them on the side of your notes over there. Just two things that you're asking God for that you're believing for in your life right now. Miracles, breakthroughs, needs met, whatever it might be. But how I many's got a couple things wrote down? That is the substance of your faith. Whatever you wrote on that paper, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're believing for, my faith is in God, but what I'm hoping and believing for is the substance of that faith. Are you with me? And so what I'm believing for is the driving force behind my confidence and my faith in God. And so let's go into the story of a guy I wanna use in this message on faith today called Caleb. The Israelites have been captive in Egypt for 400 years. They've been slaves under Pharaoh. He's increased their, 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 uh, their uh, slave, the work that they're required to do. He's become hostile toward them. He's doubled their workload of making bricks and mortar. And for 400 years they're now under this slavery of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God comes in through 10 plagues and, and Pharaoh hardened his heart and then God would harden his heart and then finally on the 10th plague, on the death of the firstborn, all right, Pharaoh all of a sudden goes, get out, and he begs the Israelites to go, and so the Israelites flee Egypt, three to six million Israelites now are leaving Egypt, and they're headed to a land that God has promised them, because when God told them, I'm gonna take you out of Egypt, he said, I've got a land I wanna take you into, I'm bringing you out of bondage, and I'm taking you into a land called Canaan, which is the promised land where milk and honey flows freely. And so the Israelites come out of Egypt and they cross this thing called the Red Sea that God brings them out of bondage. And now all of a sudden they're at this Red Sea The Bible says that Migdal's on one side, Belzephon's on the other, the king of the north's behind them, a red sea's in front of them, and they look back and the Egyptian army has changed their mind, and Pharaoh's saying, no, I don't want to let them go again, and so he's sending his army after the Israelites, and they're trapped in front of this sea, and God said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he says, a rod, a stick. God said, hold it over the water, and he did, and the Red Sea parted. That'll freak you out and it just parts and all of a sudden they see the other side and they begin to walk through on dry ground and And Caleb was in that crowd. He was 40 years old then. And he's in that crowd and they go through on the other side and when the Egyptians come in to pass through, God shut the waters down and the sea come back together and they all drown and the Israelites went through on the other side safely. Now the Red Sea is very important. The Red Sea is symbolic of mine and your salvation that the Red Sea is that point that God, what? He brought them out of their bondage and delivered them from their oppressor. So the Red Sea is symbolic of our salvation that when you got saved, God brought you out of your bondage and delivered you from your oppressor. Come on, can I get amen on that one in here today? All right, and so what God did was he said, now that you're on the other side, you're saved from your bondage, you're free from your oppressor, I've got a promised land waiting for you and it was just a 40-day journey down the road called Canaan. And in that God made some promises and they they sent 10 spies out. Moses sent 10 spies out to spy out the land of Canaan. And so they took this 40-day journey. They stayed 40 days in Canaan spying it out, checking it out, looking, observing to bring back a report to Moses. And when they came back to Moses, they had a report, 12 spies. Ten of them brought back this report. They said, we have never seen a land more fertile than this, Moses. I mean, it's fertile soil. The land is amazing. They said the harvest is unbelievable. The The grapes are like, they're, they're so big in clusters that two men are carrying one, cl- I mean, it's like massive harvest there, Moses. It's amazing, but there's some issues that kind of bothered us, Moses, that there's giants there. The Anakims are there. They're massive in size and they're great in number. And they said, the wall, the city's fortified. There's no way we can penetrate it. Forget it, Moses. Canaan is not a place that we can conquer. They brought back a negative report. But only two men of the group, of the 12 spies, brought back a positive report, and that's Caleb and Joshua. And here was Caleb's response. Caleb silenced the people and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The people gave in to the negative report, so God brought judgment upon them, and you gotta understand this, that the people heard the negative report of the 10 spies that brought back, saying, we can't do it. You gotta remember, this is only a 40-day journey to the promised land that God's promised them, and you're just gonna live with me, and milk and honey's gonna flow, and you're gonna live in peace, and you're gonna be healthy, and you're gonna be well, and you're gonna prosper, and you're gonna be blessed, And because of the negative report of 10 people, God's judgment came upon Israelite, and he said no one over the age of 20 will enter that promised land except Caleb and Joshua. And so for 40 years, instead of making a 40-day journey into God's promise, for 40 years they wandered in circles until that generation died off and the next generation could enter into the promised land. And can I tell you what's happening today across America in our churches? People are having the Red Sea experience. We're finding salvation. We're getting free from our our bondage, and we're getting free from our oppressor, but we're not entering the promises that God has made available to us. We're spending our whole spiritual life wondering and going in circles. Come on, am I right about this? instead of walking into the blessing and the favor that God has for us. And I wanna talk to you about that today because 40 years later, because Caleb had stepped on that mountain, he took back a positive report to Moses. 40 years later, right after the death of Moses, Joshua leads the army, this new army, into the Promised Land, and he promises Caleb the mountain that God showed you then that's still your inheritance now. And there were some things about Caleb that I wanna show you today that allowed him 45 years later by faith to receive the promise that God had given him 45 years ago. Number one, let's look at it, get your notes out, is his commitment, Caleb's commitment. Commitment, say commitment. commitment. Joshua 14, read it with me but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord God, my God, wholeheartedly, so that on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Watch him. So Hebron, well that's, there you go. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite ever since because he what? Followed the Lord, the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Amazingly this phrase that he followed the Lord God wholeheartedly appears in the Old Testament six times and it's a phrase that simply means this, to close the gap that when Caleb made a commitment to God, that he followed the Lord wholeheartedly meant that he removed everything in his life that would keep him from getting closer to Jesus. That he wholeheartedly committed himself to God. So anything in his life that was gonna separate or divide or put a wedge between him and God, that's gotta go. Because my commitment by faith is to God and to him alone. His commitment was to stay close to God as he possibly could. His commitment was not to build a strong church. His commitment was not to be a great preacher. His commitment was not to be this awesome leader recognized by the world. His commitment was, I'm removing everything in my life that can separate me from God and his presence, and I'm gonna go after God with everything that's in my heart. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you the first step to in your life to moving into a realm of faith, is making that kind of commitment that we begin to identify and recognize those areas and those things in our life that are getting between us and God and get them out of the way so that we follow God wholeheartedly, that we are wholeheartedly giving ourselves to God. James 1.8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That we're either all in for God or God's not getting much from us at all. I love a story I read. 1964, the Nepalese fighters known as Gurkhas were asked if they would be willing to jump from airplanes into the combat zones of the Indonesians. The Gurkhas didn't clearly understand what was involved, but they bravely said that they would do it, only asking that the planes fly slowly over swampy areas and no higher than 100 feet when they were told that their parachutes would not have time to open at 100 feet, the Gurkha soldiers replied, oh, you never mentioned parachutes. They thought they were just jumping out of a plane. They they thought they just jumped, so they said to at least get us below 100 feet and get us on some swamp where we're hitting some water. But they had that level of commitment. Can I tell you, that's what God's asking from you and I today. He says, are you willing to jump by the plane without a parachute, and trust me. And Caleb had that kind of faith, that type of commitment. Number two, he had a confidence, because when you move into that level of commitment to God, it creates this confidence that you have in God's promises and in God's word. And Joshua 14, read it with me. And now, this is Caleb talking, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Watch you. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Here he goes. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. This is Caleb, he's 85 years old now. He's not 40, he's 85. 45 years have gone by. How many will testify with me that things change in 45 years? Come on now. <laughs> Stuff drops. You know what I'm talking about? Just, uh, It used to be all up here and look here. And now it just hangs around here for some reason. You know what I mean? It's just drops. Gravity works over 45 years. And, and Caleb is here now and he's going, you know what? I'm not the same young guy I was 45 years ago, but you know what? I've got the confidence that I can do anything today that I could have done then because I wholly follow the Lord my God. I've made a commitment to him that nothing will come between he and I. And that promise that he made me 45 years ago, I'm still expecting it to take place today. And he could have easily accepted a little grassland over here, another place. And Caleb said, I don't want another place. I want that mountain that God promised me 45 years ago. I have confidence, though the Anakims are there, though the giants are still there, that's a fortified city, but I see the harvest that's in there i see the inheritance that's available to me and i'm settling for nothing less i want my mountain Give me my mountain. I've got confidence that I can go take it and I'll drive those giants out. And can I tell you when you come to that level of commitment with God that you remove those things between you and him that's keeping you into a place of doubt and fear and unbelief and you get rid of those things and all of a sudden you move into that commitment level of holy fallen the Lord your God. All of a sudden there's a confidence level that comes with that that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I can still do all things through Christ that strengthens me. No weapon formed against me will prosper, that all of a sudden I get a, a whole new fresh vision and zeal that those promises that God made. How many has got some promises in your life that have yet to be fulfilled that God gave you? Come on, anybody? I mean, God gave you a word. God gave you a promise. God gave you a guarantee on something. You haven't seen it happen yet. I want to tell you, when you come into that level of commitment and faith, all of a sudden a confidence arises back inside of you that says, go pick that dream back up. Go pick that promise back up. Go pick that word that God gave you you back up because God still plans on fulfilling it in your life. You just got to be willing to go drive out a few giants because God's word still wants to work in your life. You see, faith is not positive thinking, though we need to think positive because as a man thinketh so is he? But faith isn't just thinking positive. Faith is acting on the word. Faith is an optimism. But faith is simply acting out, acting out, acting out what God has already told you. Faith is when I begin to walk it out, put it into practice. Faith without works is dead. God wants you to begin to walk out that promise. Walk it out. Go watch God fulfill it in your life. Caleb has seen the promises, and now over 40 years, the the burden of possessing that land has driven him. Think about it. Almost 45 years, he's been driven with God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise. I hadn't seen it yet, but God gave me a promise. I'm going to get my promise. He's carried that zeal within him, and now that day's come because he kept his confidence in the word of God. Deuteronomy, read it with me. And the Lord heard the sound of your words talking about the unbelievers, the the negative reporters, and he was angry, and he took a oath, saying, surely not one of these men of this generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give to your fathers, except, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Watch him. He shall see it, and to him and his children, I'm giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. Amen. The confidence that you have. When you totally make that commitment to God, and all of a sudden, that confidence comes into your life. I've been standing by the bed daily of my second father in my life, my godfather. He's in hospice care in West Florida right now. Could go, as I'm preaching today, he could go to heaven. He's been an amazing mentor, man of God in my life. C.H. Norton. he, He grew up poor. And he worked hard and he trusted God and he became a very, very successful man in life and in society. But I was talking to his son the other day as we were there and he was in a nursing home before he went to hospice. And you know what was amazing about the nursing home was here a man that society would look at as massively successful and next to him was a man on Medicaid because at that point in your life, it didn't matter. At that point in your life, it doesn't help you. You're leaving here and going to eternity somewhere. Amen. But you know what made it so be- beautiful and powerful? That 24-7, you can go there right now without me talking to anybody on the phone. There's children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren around his bed. And they're praying and they're singing songs about Jesus in heaven. Because he didn't, he's not leaving a memory and he's not leaving a bank account. He's leaving a legacy. Amen. That's gonna take a family and another generation to another generation of this kind of faith and hope in God that God's the God that brought you here and he's the God that's gonna take you home. But in the midst of that journey, he wants you to commit and get close to him. And then in that, he's gonna bring confidence that's gonna allow you to believe him for the impossible. Amen. And when you come into that step, it leads you to number three. Let me go back to this, this thing of confidence because there's a powerful story, the story of George Mueller. And George Mueller was on this, this ship, this, this ship that was going to uh, Canada and he was scheduled to be a speaker there on this uh in this big event. He's a great preacher of George Mueller. And all of a sudden, this fog hit. And this fog hid, and 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 the the captain of the ship couldn't see it, so we had to stop the ship. And, and all of a sudden George Mueller walked into the, the deck up there and he tapped and the captain turned around and saw George Mueller. And George Mueller said, man, you got to do something because I've got to be at Quebec Saturday. And the captain said, that ain't going to happen, man. We can't move this ship. And the captain said, don't you see? Can't you see the, the thick fog? And George Mueller said, I don't see fog, but I see the God who has guided and watched over my life from the day that I met him. And George Mueller said, let's go down underneath the deck and let's pray. The captain said, oh, man, I got this religious nut with me now. And he walked down with George Mueller. And George Mueller knelt down and began to pray. And he prayed this prayer. He said, Father, I believe with all of my heart that you have called me and you have designated and designed me to speak to people about your grace and your love Saturday in Quebec. And I'm asking you, according to your will, to remove this fog within the next five minutes. And the captain of the ship was amazed and he knelt down to pray and George Mueller picked him up and said, no need for you to bother, sir. I've already prayed and God has answered my prayer. Amen. Not knowing when they walked up back on top of the deck, the fog was gone. And George Mueller wound up in Quebec to preach the gospel. Can I tell you, God bring that kind of confidence back into our hearts. Amen. That you've declared it, start walking it out. I don't need 20 more people to declare it with me. God's already given me the promise. Come on, y'all with me today, church? Number three, let's hurry here. Caleb's courage, Caleb's courage. He had commitment, he had confidence, but he had courage. And Caleb had to have courage enough, by faith, to overcome three different things to receive his promise in God. Number one, he had to overcome giants. He had to overcome the giants and numbers 13, you see it there in your scriptures, in your notes, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, and I want to tell you today, every one of us in this building have giants in our life. Every one of us in this building are fighting giants. We're fighting giants of doubt. We're fighting giants of unbelief, giants of addictions, giants of hurts, wounds, fears, failures, guilt, giants of financial stress, giants of health issues. All of us have giants that come, and, and what's a giant? Anything that makes you feel in fear to win this battle by yourself. Amen. And that's what the enemy wants to do is to bring these giants into our life but Caleb had to overcome that giant because you see by yourself, you cannot handle it. But in Christ, we are more than conquerors in him. And I want to tell you today, if you're going to walk this journey of faith, you're going to have to knock down some giants. You're going to have to stand strong in this journey and not let the image of a giant, because the enemy will have a giant in front of you every day, telling you why you can't and how you can't. You got to say no to that, no to that giant. No, 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 greater is he that's within me. You're going down, man. You're going down. That sickness going down. That opposite going down. That lie's going down. That memory's going down. You're going down. I'm going to receive my promise in Jesus' name. You got to overcome some giants. And then there were grasshoppers. Isn't it amazing? We've gone from giants to grasshoppers. Amen. Because giants is what we see in our enemy. Grasshoppers is what we see in ourselves and grasshoppers will keep you out of your promise more than giants will. Oh, some of y'all need to get that. I said how you see yourself will keep you out of your promise more than how others see you. That is a good word. That's worth coming to church for right there. Look, Look at it in scripture. I want you to see this, man. This is powerful. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight it doesn't end there. And so, because we were grasshoppers in our sight, we were in their sight. Everybody look at me right now. How you see yourself is how your enemy sees you. If you see yourself committed, confident, courageous, that's how the enemy sees you. You see yourself intimidated, defeated, quit, giving up, stopping. That's what the enemy sees. How you see yourself is exactly how your enemy's seeing you. Everybody look at me one more time. Too many of you are giving the enemy too much information and too much ammunition. Every time you say, I quit, you think he don't hear that? Everybody, I want you to look at me, man. Some of you gotta get this. I'm gonna help some of you save some money on counseling and therapy right now listen to me only God's sovereign only God's omnipresent and only God's all-knowing Satan's none of the above he don't know anything you don't tell him he don't know your thoughts he's not God only God knows your thoughts it's what comes out of your mouth that gives ammunition to the enemy so when you say I'm done oh I'm getting on that one or I quit oh I'm gonna help him with that I'm through, I don't believe, I doubt. He hears every one of those, you just filled his quiver with arrows to shoot right back at your heart. You gotta keep your eyes on the giants and off the grasshoppers, because grasshoppers will keep you out of your promise more than giants will. Good preaching, preacher, thank you. Appreciate the applause. Number three, and I've gotta close real quick, it's time. How I many besides me just hates waiting for anything? I mean, I just, that's why you don't hear me preach on patience around here, because I don't have any. And, and I don't want to go through the test to get it. But I just like God to do it when I ask and how I ask, and we're cool. And I've just found out along this journey, he just don't usually operate that way. It's usually the opposite. How I many's found out God always comes like right on that last second? Come on, come on, he does that on purpose, by the way. Because if he showed up when we called him, we wouldn't learn nothing. So he just lets us walk it out, but he doesn't leave us. The teacher's always in the room while you're taking your test. Teacher never leaves the room. God never leaves the room of your life when he has you in a test. He's always there, just a hand away. Time, Caleb had to overcome time and faith because God gave him his promise when he was 40, but he didn't get his mountain until he was 85. And I want to challenge some of you today is don't quit in the midst of time. Don't stop in the midst of time. By faith, I'm going to walk this journey, by faith. I'm staying committed. By faith, I'm staying confident. By faith, I'm going to stay full of courage because I know that God is bigger than my giants. I see myself as God sees me more than a conqueror. And no matter how much time it takes, I'm holding on to his word until I get my promise. Amen. We have a true story. Watch it with us. One of our own. Watch your story.
1: You know, I grew up Catholic, so anytime anybody asked if I was going to church or or um, if I was saved, it was kind of insulting because as a Catholic, you assume that you are saved. And I've had people in my life that, you know, my aunts, uh, that have always uh, planted that seed of going to church and friends and always telling us telling us to go to church. And I said, you know, I could I could talk to God whenever I feel like it. You know, I used to work around a bunch of guys and... Derogatory language is just part of our everyday life, where we just continually, uh, you know, had curse words, every other word that was just normal talking. And uh, I had gotten uh, cancer, and it gives you a lot of time to think, you know. I started to contemplate, you know, there's got to be more to life than just you're born, you work, and you die. And I think that started the ball rolling, but I was afraid to go to church. He had asked me the question one day, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a good person. I do the right, you know, right stuff. I help people out whenever I can. And I make sure I, you know, I try to do things. The right. change of feeling so dark and alone, even though you didn't feel like it, you're going through life and you're having fun and you're doing things, but there's still that heaviness or darkness in your, in your soul. And when I when I got saved, that I, I mean, I felt like the brightest light was going through my body. I mean, I was smiling from ear to ear, and I could feel the difference of of just being lifted, the heaviness lifted, and not even remember looking up and saying, "Okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be here." You get the truth here. You have real people here. You have people that have been through a lot, and you get to see them walk through it with God and, and come out as a flower at the end. This church just has a, a vibe about it that um, that it doesn't matter who, do you, who you go to. They, they're willing to help you. They love on you. I mean, I see people come in every that we don't know, and, and just people just go to them and welcome them into the church, and, and you don't see that too often. The people in this church really, truly can feel it. go after to know you. That you're gonna leave, you know, smiling. You're not gonna leave the way you came in. That, that it's now a new lifestyle. is not, I'm trying to fit that lifestyle. And uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm
0: Debbie Beckford, and I've been transformed. Debbie, Debbie, Debbie was with us in the eight o'clock service. She had to go to work. I met Debbie through the financial services when she came to work for me. And she had nothing to do with church. Didn't want anything to do with church. Her family was very successful in town. And she came to work for me and she could out cuss 10 men. I'm not kidding you, a girl could cuss. Because she said she was around them, and that she did. Boy, she, she had words I'd never heard before. I think she made them up. And, and I kept asking her, and I was the one that asked her, I said, Debbie, if you, we went to lunch one day, I said, if you died, would you go to heaven? She goes, I'm a good person. I said, a lot of good people are in hell. I said, but Jesus came that you can have life now and have it later. And she said, I just don't believe in all that church stuff and all that, and I, I said, okay. <clears throat> and I started having chest pains and it was stress because I was opening up different offices, had office in New Orleans then, and, and they tricked me. And they told me I had this big client in New Orleans waiting for me that had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest. And When I got over there, they had a doctor waiting for me. And I was so mad. I just drove three and a half hours to see a doctor they told me it was stress and on the way home, cause I'd been asking Debbie to come to church and she said, I'm very worried about you, Dan. If you'll go see a doctor, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. you. go see a doctor and I'll visit your church. Man, on the way home, I called her. I said, I better see you in church Sunday cause I just drove three and a half hours to see a doctor. All right. <clears throat> and she came she wouldn't come to the worship cause she hated our singing. It was too long, too long and loud. How can a Jamaican say something's too loud? You know what I'm saying? And she would come and she came and she heard the word that day. She didn't get saved, but she came back the next Sunday. She never came to our worship. We'd just come to hear the word, and hang around with us, go out to eat. And my kids were just like this about that age then. And I got to wrap this up. And we, we went to Sunday's Barbecue, I'll never forget. And Debbie had just got saved now. She just got saved. And we're sitting there with our kids and the waitress was kind of a little slow. And Debbie goes, where's the blanks, the waitress is around here. And she used the word. And my kids went, And I went, it's cool, it's new, new convert, new convert. It's cool, it's cool. (laughs) She hadn't got all that out yet. But can I tell you, Debbie found out she had cancer. And at one point, they said she was gonna die. But today, she's cancer free. And not only is she cancer free, but she facilitates one of our Wednesday night Bible studies. She's the teacher and she's the coach over our greeters ministry at Transformation Church today. I would say that's a great miracle that God has performed in a young man's life. That brings us to the last point. About time, my voice is going. Caleb's conquest. He won. He won. You see the scripture there, and because of time, I'm going to close. Well, let's read that last one. It won't even make sense without it. Let's go to the last scripture. No, go to the, the Joshua scripture. Joshua 14, and Joshua blessed Caleb and gave Hebron to him, the, the Caleb the son of Jephunneh as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And here's why I wanted to to see that. He gave him Hebron. That was the place that Caleb had put his feet 45 years earlier. Hebron means fellowship with the Lord that he got his mountain. He received that promise that God had given him. And I wanna challenge you today by faith to get back into that place with God today of commitment. Let that commitment bring you into a place of confidence. Let that confidence stir up courage inside of your heart and let's go win. Let's be a con- let's get that conquest. Let's go get back what God has promised us in our life. Let's don't settle for the bronze when we can have the gold. Don't settle for second when you can be first. I don't know about you, but I join this thing to win. I, I I don't play to maybe win. If I if I get I, that's why they took me off. I had to quit the softball team we had on this church because I played baseball 14 years. I don't know how to play halfway. I was diving, sliding, and they're out there going. Pastor, it's not that serious. I go if I play, it is. That's the only way I know how to play, man. You know, so I had to quit because I'm 57. Things break right now. They tear. If I play your six-year-old ping-pong, I'm going to try to win. Because I might not. I don't want a six-year-old to go brag on beating me. You know what I mean? I didn't join this Christian journey to maybe make it. I'm in this thing to win. Come on, any, any other winners in here? You know, I hated them guys on our high school ball team that just wanted the jacket and the letter. As long as they got the jacket and the letter, they didn't care if they started or played or not. I'm on the championship team. Well, how about playing and earning that thing? No, I wanna play, man. I wanna be out on the field. And I wanna tell you today, that's what God's saying. Get back on the team, but have an attitude today. I'm a winner. By faith, I'm getting my mountain that God has promised me in Jesus' name. You receive God's word today. You receive it, amen. Bow your heads with me if you will. Father, I thank you today, God, that you have sown into every one of us a measure of faith. We were born with it. And as we use it, it grows, it develops. And I just pray right now, God, that you'll speak to hearts. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, there's a word for me today. I'm a Christian. God's made me promises and and I hadn't seen that happen. I've seen myself as a grasshopper. I've seen giants in my path or whatever, and I've I've given up on the hope of that that promise. But today, God's reignited that promise in my life. How many would be that person, raise a hand and just tell God, "I, I, I got you today, God. You got my number, I'm listening. Hands going up all over. How many right now would say, Pastor Dan, I'm at that point that I need to start fresh right now, and I need to start with that commitment level, and I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior today, but I want to. Maybe you used to walk with him and you've walked away from that or maybe you've never had a relationship with God and we want you to know you're in a safe church to do that today. We wanna help you in that journey. You'd say, I just wanna surrender my life to God today. I wanna start over. I want it fresh and a new beginning with him. How many would say that and raise your hand? You can put it right back down. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna come to you. I just wanna pray a prayer with you. Any others, maybe you're on live stream and you need to make that commitment to God today, make it with us while we pray here. If you raised your hand or you did not and you said, I need to make that choice today, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord, believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved, so right now, I come to you, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior right now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you join me and let's congratulate these that have prayed that prayer today.